2: in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
3: Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support our show, go to CollinsLastStand.com. <laughs> Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. This is episode 131. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined as always by my son, Chris Reagan. Chris, how are you today? Doing pretty good. I had a, a breakfast of kings. I had two raw Pop-Tarts. Wow. What kind? Uh, blueberry. Oh, I was hoping you were going to say raspberry, but blueberry's OK. Yeah, I guess I, I really enjoy the raspberry ones myself, but we won't waste too much time on that today. <laughs> I'm glad you're here with us, and uh, special guest who sometimes appears, executive producer of Collins Last Stand, Dustin Furman. Dustin, how are you? Good. I'm doing pretty good. I kind of wish I would have ate some pop tarts like
4: Chris instead. I had some talkies, which are like these like really spicy <laughs> lime flavored like rolled chips, and uh, they were great when I ate them. But my stomach is on fire now.
3: I see. You're gonna have to poop during the show.
4: No, I think that I think it's like an acid reflux thing. Uh-huh. So I took like a heartburn pill a couple minutes ago. So I should be fine a couple minutes in, but you know, the talkies they're they're doing me a little dirty right now, if I'm being honest. Yeah, those are those are
3: those are no joke, those things. They're
4: good though. They're like they are really good.
3: good. So it's the price you pay. Well, you won't poop during the show. Maybe you'll throw up during the show. I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> That would be kind of awesome, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it would be. I would be a first for our show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Certainly, I think. I mean, I've stopped the show to poop on several occasions, but right, right. I don't think I've ever shut my pants on the show. People can remind me if that was if that's happened. I don't recall that, of course. But boys, today we're recording. We're actually recording this episode somewhat early because this is going live. I think at well after Christmas for the audience. Actually, in looking at the schedule, I think this is going on up the first of the year for patrons ooh we're recording this before christmas even but happy holidays merry christmas happy new year should we pretend that w- so chris how was your uh how was your christmas oh it was uh wonderful
5: you know like uh yeah it's uh it's it's one of those holidays you know that we all have sure. all, all the time every year sure, sure. <laughs> came sure. out pretty okay and dustin
4: how was your uh, christmas oh just fantastic i'm Good. filled with eggnog and holiday cheer did you get Good. uh did you get socks uh yes i did some fantastic uh kingdom hearts socks so it's on brand
3: <laughs> oh geez
4: <laughs> imagine rocking those that's that's confidence right there more than anything
3: yeah i could imagine rocking those i could imagine firing you for rocking those oh so it's, wow Gee, whoa. That's That's what I'm imagining. (laughs) Do you think do you think that's the point at which you kind of
5: become an adult? The point where it's like getting socks for Christmas becomes kind of like this, like, oh, this is nice. You know, this is a good thing. Mm. Yeah, I love getting socks. I
3: love socks, personally. Yeah, but like when you were like 10, you didn't love getting socks. You know what I mean? No. Well, first of all, when you were, I remember being I remember that this I think it was like even in my 20s when I was like, I probably shouldn't always wear or usually wear like white athletic socks at all times. And then you start wearing like nice socks. Mm -hmm. Then you start realizing, at least in my experience, then you start realizing over the last 15 years or so, this wide world of sock design. It's very exciting. Mm -hmm. Very exciting out there. And my uh, my stepdad is actually a member of a sock of the month club. What? Whoa. Yeah. So he gets like socks every month in the in the mail. (laughs) My God. And uh, and I remember. So I remember also Tom Brady, the quarterback of the Patriots, said once in an interview they were asking about what it's like. I think it was something about like what it's like to be wealthy or something and something he'd always wanted to do now that he's wealthy that he couldn't do before. And he was saying that the one thing he does is he buys socks and wears them once and throws them away. So I thought that was pretty interesting. That's so wasteful. Well, when you're a millionaire, you can do whatever you want, I guess. Damn, that's his uh, thing. That's what he wants to do. So God bless him. It is nice, right? When you get a new socks and they fit perfectly, you know, and it's it's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I no, totally I it think it's nice. Yeah, I think it's very nice. So, all right. Anyway, this episode of Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for our weekly show. We promised an episode every week and we are delivering. But like we said, this is being uh, recorded before the holidays to give us a little bit of a break as we move into the new year. So what we thought we would do today is something that we would need to do anyway, which is kind of going over. Uh, The games for 2021 coming to PlayStation 4 and or PlayStation 5 that we're most excited about. PSVR and Vita are technically in the mix, too, but I don't think any of us have selected any games for that. So I thought that we would each select five games. There could be some overlap. I was looking, actually, and there seems to be only overlap between Chris's choices and Dustin's choices in two different places. But I have a unique list and there are, I guess, six other unique choices between them mm-hmm. and then we have a bunch of listener inquiries from patreon at patreon.com slash last stand you guys can support us over there for a dollar two dollars five dollars a month and get different access tiers including access to sacred symbols plus which is our weekly exclusive podcast we do here and i gotta say at the time where we're um posting this boys i believe the final fantasy 7 spoiler cast and, and review discussion will have gone live oh oh shit so that's the most recent episode so there you go uh stop asking me about it. It's going to persist though for the like for the for the rest of the year they're probably going to keep asking you where is it. I wish that I just didn't listen to anyone and just let Dustin and and uh, Maddie do it in the spring. Yeah, you fucked up. Yeah, I did, but it's okay. I'm trying to give the people what they want. I, at least I was trying to and so that's actually the game I'm going to be playing soon uh, to to finish up. Anyway, since Chris since Dustin is the guest here, I assume we'll let him go first. Yeah. Now I listed mine in order from five to one in, in order of my excitement level. Did you guys do that as well? I didn't actually explicitly tell you to do that. So, yeah, I did. And it looks like Chris and I have the same number fives. This actually works
4: out pretty well and that we could could tag team this a bit.
3: Yeah. Yeah. hell yeah, you could. All right. Well, Dustin, take it away. Sure. So my number
4: five is Deathloop from Arcane and Bethesda. This is coming out this coming May. It'll be a PS5 exclusive. Obviously, we all know that there's a bit of a weird situation with by the by the time this game comes out, I would assume that the deal has gone through and that Bethesda will be owned by Microsoft, but they'll still be putting out this PS5 exclusive. But what is just so exciting about this game is that really for me the fact it's by Arcane is enough. Obviously, Dishonored and Dishonored 2 uh, they're two of my like favorite games of the past uh, few years. I think that especially Dishonored 2 was a game that a lot of people either skipped over or just weren't interested in, and I feel like it didn't necessarily get the limelight that it deserved, and so this game too, I was looking, and, and the director of this game was heavily involved in their previous projects, specifically with Dishonored, and so I feel like it's in really good hands. and. I think the thing that really makes me uh, hopeful and excited also is just from the trailers, it seems like there's a lot of that Dishonored DNA, whether it's like blinking ahead or just the overall immersive sim qualities to the game. And so, Chris, you had put this game at, at your number five as well. So I'm yeah. curious, what what what's getting you excited about it?
5: I don't know, man. I think I think I agree with a lot of what you said. I think Arcane just makes really cool shit. Uh Dishonored One, I, I didn't play a lot of Dishonored 2 because I if I remember correctly, like when I got it, it just didn't run well uh at launch.
4: Yeah, that's it's unfortunate. It's true.
5: Yeah, so so I, I kind of skipped over it and kind of waited for them to fix it and then just sort of forgot to get back to it. But Dishonored One was so goddamn good, and I do see a lot of that DNA in Deathloop and just I really like the, the feel of what they've made here. It's, like, like, stylized in a really weird way that Arcane has never really done before, and it looks like it's got that kind of, like, speedrunner kind of hook that, like, uh, recent middle-market games like a Ghost Runner kind of have going for them, except it's an Arcane game, so it's, like, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to this. I think it's actually going to be great. Like, I don't have any reason to think this is going to be less than pretty damn good, and I just, I, just, I don't know. I, I see this game, and I just kind of believe in it. I don't know. Right. I'm just excited. It has
4: such a distinct, like, I don't want to say art direction for the act. I mean, obviously the game itself has a distinct art direction, but. Yeah. No, it definitely does. Yeah. But I love the, it has like this 50s movie quality. Like, it reminds me of like Vertigo, like the Vertigo movie poster from the Alfred Hitchcock movie and stuff like that. Yeah. And so it's like a weird mix of that, but like kind of Tarantino vibes as well.
5: It's just a neat mix. Oh yeah, totally. The warm, like the warm colors, and kind yeah. of like, the the poppy editing that they use for the trailers. It's it's it's. I really like games that take place either like in the fifties and sixties, or kind of like use motifs from that era. I think like some of my favorite PS two games are like uh, kind of modeled after that. I think I think of Destroy Humans and like War of the Monsters as, as games that really use those motifs really well. And just to see that again, like in a, in a modern game, when it's it's been quite a while since I've seen that. Uh, It's just, it's really cool. I I think it's going to be great.
4: One other thing that we should mention about this game, I was actually just listening to an interview about it for just a tiny bit, was the interesting multiplayer aspect where you can play as like another, I don't know if assassin is the right word, but basically you can invade someone else's single player game. And uh I'll be curious to see how that works out just because I think that other games have tried this and not really done it successfully. Yeah. But in a game like this, I could see
5: it being pretty cool. That's probably the thing that I care the least about. (laughs) Like when I saw the, the yeah, I was like, all right, yeah, I might just turn that off. Right. But it just looks so cool, man. I'm just, I'm really happy that Arcane is making really anything. Uh, but the fact that it's this specifically is,
3: is really uh is really nice. It's like right up my alley, I think. So Greg Haddon wrote into us on Patreon, just like everyone out there. Ken, he agrees with you guys. He says, all right, boys, hope all is well for me. It has to be Deathloop from the stylized 60s disco aesthetic to Arcane's always stellar gameplay. I really can't wait to get my hands on it. I foresee another critical darling with mediocre sales, sadly, but I'll be there uh, day one for sure. Thank you for writing in, Greg. Disco goes really of the 70s, but I understand exactly what you're saying. And uh, I, this was one of the games that was like on my short list. Let's say a few mm-hmm. games had to get removed because I was originally going to let us do like some honorable mentions. And I was like, you know, why? What well, would just make a choice? Yeah. And and so I did. So that gr- Deathloop was is a great choice, but I I cut it off my own list. But yeah, th- this is actually a game that has a release date. May 21st, as Dustin said, PlayStation 5 console exclusive for the time being. It'll also be on PC. And Dustin, I was looking up while you were talking, you were saying the director, I looked him up on Moby Games, Dinga Bakaba. I've never heard of him, but he was apparently, yeah, like you said, worked on as a producer on Dishonored and actually directed both Arcane Wolfenstein games, the uh, Youngblood and Cyberpilot games, which is pretty interesting as well.
4: Oh, interesting.
3: Moby Games, by the way, if people don't know that website, MobyGames.com, very good resource. Just any person in a game, like in a game credit you want to know, just put the name in and then Moby Games and Google and you'll find what you're looking for. So that counts as both of your number five. My number five is a, maybe a bit of a surprise for people. It's Hogwarts Legacy. And uh, this is a game coming from Avalanche Software, not to be confused with Avalanche Studios, of course, Avalanche Software, uh, Utah based studio that's now owned by WB, but long was owned actually by Disney and Most notably did Disney Infinity, but they did a bunch of licensed stuff for many years. And uh, are they capable of delivering on Hogwarts Legacy? I don't know, but I am confident after the announced trailer, the reveal trailer that we saw not too long ago, a few months ago, game is PS4 and PS5 bound, which is a little disappointing because it's going to be held back. And uh, otherwise, I think the reason that I wanted to select this is because I've always had a really... a a peripheral intrigue into Harry Potter. I've never gone back and read past the third book, and I've always kind of thought about it and wanted to get back to it and really enjoyed the world and all of that. And I figured that this action RPG that seems to be much more about Hogwarts itself than about Harry Potter or whatever, because it takes place, um, I think, as a prequel in the 1800s and the 19th century. uh, I'm really, I, I think it looks cool. I think it's a nice way similar to, my mind is kind of in a similar place to the South Park RPGs. The first one from Obsidian, the second from Ubisoft, where those really reminded me that I really liked South Park. Yeah. And I feel like Hogwarts Legacy can really remind me that I like Harry Potter and and that world too. So uh, are either of you interested in this game?
5: Mm, I'm curious to see how it turns out. Harry Potter was one of those things that I I, I used to be into when I was a kid. And I I kind of uh, I tell the story a lot to the point where it's like, I'm sure it's probably annoying, but I, I saw like the first three movies and then like. Part Two of the last one, and that that's my that's my exposure to harry Potter, so I, there's a huge huge gap in my knowledge as far as that franchise goes, but I used to like it a lot, and even some of the games were really great i remember I remember Chamber of Secrets for the Xbox particularly being like really like surprisingly good for like a movie based game, although I guess like back then we had a lot of pretty good movie based games i don't know like i i think it's it's wise to have a game kind of about Hogwarts because like you said I think the I think the world in that series is a lot more interesting than Harry, who's kind of like this, you know, just kind of like a blank slate, kind of like do-goody kid. And I think it's a, it's a good idea. I just, I don't know if I've seen enough to be confident in the fact that it will be good. Uh, I got to see this thing running
3: in full, in like real time. What do you think, Dustin? Are you interested in this at all? Is this an IP that does anything for you?
4: Yeah, this one is is one of those games that I'm cautiously optimistic for just because, again, Disney Infinity is fine. I think that this is definitely a different caliber of game, though. And I guess what's exciting for me, and I think that you guys kind of touched on this already, is just the fact that it's exploring that universe beyond what we already know from the movies and the books. I have a really strong, like, nostalgic connection to whether... Like, I remember my dad reading me the books when I was growing up and then reading them again as an adult and watching the movies and stuff. So this is something that's pretty near and dear to me. And uh, just going outside, again, that hairy bubble will be interesting. I think maybe it could have like a a Knights of the Old Republic type, not as far as gameplay or anything, but just like getting a different look into a world that uh, we already know a lot about would be cool.
3: Yeah, I am excited about this game. I I am cautiously optimistic. I think that's a good way of putting it with Avalanche doing it and also Portkey, which is kind of the uh, Harry Potter gaming world keepers. They're working in a production or from a production standpoint on this game. So I don't know. I think it looks cool. And uh, when we saw that trailer, I got instantly excited about it. So it's definitely on my list. Connor Johnson wrote into us on Patreon. He agrees. He says, hello, sweet Virginia and moving to California. I've got to say my most anticipated 2021 game is Hogwarts Legacy, the Harry Potter RPG from Avalanche. I've honestly never played one of their games, so I can't speak to their history with this type of game. But if they can get this right and provide an experience where you progress through Hogwarts, going to lessons, exploring the entirety of the castle and its grounds, as well as explore some of the wider wizarding wizarding world, I think this game could be really fucking awesome. A truly AAA Hogwarts RPG is a dream come true, and I'm really hoping they get this right. Uh, I do, too, I hope they get it right. I feel like they will. And I feel like there's going to be a lot of controversy surrounding this game when it comes out for obvious reasons. Whether or not that's earned or not is up to you. But uh, Dustin, I kick it back to you to bring us to number four.
1: You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around.
0: All
4: right, so half the audience is about to roll their eyes, and the other half's eyes are about to get wide because my number four is Persona Five Scramble, and we just got a release date for this. I believe it's in February. I probably should have wrote that down, but uh, it's coming very early in 2021, which is pretty exciting. This is of course uh, Sega and Atlas, but they're teaming up with Omega Force who does all of the musou games and that's really what this game is is a persona 5 musou game and i think the thing that excites me about it the most is that they're very much at least in the advertising making this a pseudo persona 5 sequel there's even a moment in one of the original trailers where it says p5 and then like the number two comes up, but then S knocks it over. So they're they're being very tongue-in-cheek about it. But what is weird for me is that I have actually never played a musou game like all the way through. I've played different demos for like Dragon Quest uh and the Zelda one, but I'm excited just to see what this I guess subgenre almost of games is all about at this point. And since it's tied to a universe that I've already, already so ingrained in, it'll just be nice to see those characters again, in a way. It's like you spend so much time, you know, and this happens with TV and movies as well. You spend so much time with these characters, and then maybe there's a big gap before you see them again. And it's like this nice, heartwarming feeling almost, just to see like what they're up to. And so, yeah, this game is have, has been out in Japan for a year, and it's supposed to be... Very good. So that's why number four, Persona 5 Scramble. Very excited.
3: Cool. I I feel like Omega Force is so interesting as a studio because, as we've mentioned on the show before, Koei Tecmo owns them, but they basically just let them do other games, which are then published by others because Atlas is publishing Persona 5 Strikers. And to Dustin's uh, point, the game does come to PS4 February 23rd. That's it. 2021, February 23rd, 2021. It'll also be on Switch at that time and PC. And uh, yeah, so good selection. Not a huge surprise to see it here on the list. Chris, I kick it over to you for your number four.
5: Yeah, so uh, my number four and, and I, I should note that I didn't necessarily order these in order of in order of excitement at all.
3: Well, all right, wait, so hold on a second. If that's the, if that's true, then make then make your. I'm going to do this in our list. No one else can see it. Right. right, let's do this. <laughs> this. Oh, wait, did I just put it back? <laughs> Wait, hey, what
5: happened? <laughs> you just you just copied it back into the same place. Oh, I'm an idiot. I could just do it in my head, though. Yeah, just do it in your head. All right. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, my number four, uh, is Far Cry Six, by uh, Ubisoft uh, Toronto. Obviously, a Ubisoft game. Obviously, a Far Cry game. Far Cry isn't necessarily a series that I love or always look forward to necessarily, but I always appreciate. What it does, and Giancarlo Esposito is just such a good actor that, like, seeing him in the role of a Far Cry villain is, like, honestly, something that's almost inherently exciting. I just, I really hope that, and I know that this is going to be a kind of a cross-gen game, or at least I assume it's going to be, right? They, they, no, it is, it is, a, it is a cross-gen game. Yeah, yeah. So it's not necessarily going to be the next-gen Far Cry that uh, we all kind of hope for, but I am hoping that maybe they've taken some some of the criticism to heart and kind of addressed some of the, some of the choices in, in later Far Cries that didn't really, didn't really stick the landing. I I always thought Far Cry three was the best purely because your character actually was a character and he actually has a chance to interact with the villain. Whereas in later, later Far Cries playing a mute just kind of felt really off putting when you're just kind of in this room with a really charismatic villain who really should be being reacted to. Hopefully they kind of go back to that kind of Far Cry 3 style of storytelling, but I'm just, I'm pretty interested in this just because I, I think Far Cry has always had like some special sauce that I think a lot of open world uh, games, especially a lot of uh, FPSs uh, in the open world kind of genre, don't necessarily understand, and as much as I don't necessarily care for 4 and 5, I th- I still think that there's a special sauce there as well, and I'm just really looking forward to
3: Gus. <laughs> Honestly, it's interesting to see him in here. Yeah. And uh, it's worth noting, by the way, that th- and I don't know if this is a reason to worry about the game. I think it might be a little bit. The game had a release date for a while on PS4 and PS5 of February 18th, 2021. But then back in October, it was delayed, but they didn't give it another date. And I thought that was kind of unusual. So I don't know. Obviously, the pandemic and all of that is, is complicating things, but I don't know if there's something that they found in the game or they need to kind of tweak and tune things a little bit. But I'm totally with you. I think this game looks awesome. And uh, Richie D actually wrote into us on Patreon. He agrees as well. He says, hey, gents, my most anticipated game of 2021 is Far Cry 6. I'm a huge fan of the Far Cry series, and I was very impressed with the reveal trailer. But more than anything, I'm just excited to see Giancarlo Esposito play the lead villain in this game. I'd also like to mention that the trailer currently has over nine million views on YouTube, so it appears the game has garnered quite a bit of attention since it was released. Really hoping it lives up to expectations. Hope you guys have a wonderful holiday. Thank you, Richie D for writing in. I I feel like Giancarlo Esposito is going to garner a lot of attention because Breaking Bad, obviously, and his role in that is so culturally significant that I feel like a lot of more casual people that are already attracted to Far Cry. Far Cry is not really a hardcore franchise. I love and I'm not saying that as an insult. I love Far Cry personally. But I think you're right. Far Cry does have this special sauce where it's easy, at least in my experience, it's easy to kind of criticize it and ridicule the things it does. But then I find myself just immersed in playing it anyway when it comes out. So yeah, it's it's one of those things where I'm like, I don't know what you're supposed to do. But I like it's like, how many times am I going to have to climb this thing and then zip line down and then take over (laughs) this base? And yet I'm doing it. Yeah,
5: no, it, it is, it is good. I think I think it could be a little smoother. I think there, there there's a lot of things it could do better, but for what it does, it does it really well. And I, I really love Far Cry 3, like, so much. And, yeah, I just think Giancarlo Esposito is just such a freaking good act. Not just in Breaking Bad, but The Boys, and, and even now in The Mandalorian. He's just so goddamn good in, like, everything. He plays such a, such a good villain that I think it's just such a, like, this is like a dream Far Cry villain, I think. You know? Like, he's perfect for it.
3: Yeah, definitely the the most interesting. I really liked Far Cry Five's villain because I I think that 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 whole Waco thing was really interesting. If you understood it, which we were making fun of. I remember when the the game came out. A lot of people didn't seem to understand it, which is which is fine. But yeah, since three, I would say this seems to be the most powerful villain for marketing purposes. And so we'll see how that all works out. Dustin, are you are you a Far Cry guy? I don't even actually know that about you. I don't think
4: honestly, I. I Pretty much every time if one comes out, I try it out, and it never sticks with me, and I don't really know why. I don't know if it's just the combat doesn't feel quite right to me, or if it's the the overwhelming uh, Ubisoft open worlds. I honestly, actually, I think it's kind of an Ubisoft thing overall, because I haven't finished one of those games in years now at this point. But this one is definitely more intriguing to me, and I think it's because of... Uh, you know, the lead villain being in there and uh, being very intriguing.
3: All right. So my fourth selection uh, is Scarlet Nexus, which is coming to PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. Unknown release date, but it is probably going to be out in the summer or fall, and it's coming from Bandai Namco Studios, internal teams published, obviously, by Bandai Namco. This game was revealed not too long ago, and I was really quite impressed with what I saw here. And I think out of the games that I'm going to talk about on my list anyway, we may have seen the most out of this game when I was going through some trailers in preparation for the show. I was like, oh, they have actually shown even more than I've seen, although a lot of it is cinematic and story based. There is a lot of combat as well. But for people that don't know, Scarlet Nexus is an action role playing game, and it's interesting because you can play as two different characters. And it's got this supernatural kind of twist, very similar to Ghostwire, which we'll talk about, I think, in a little while, where it's it, you're fighting kind of these supernatural telekinesis using creatures, I think. And what I think is interesting about it is that apparently you you basically can use your brain in such a way that the brain is what's being upgraded in the game. So as you get stronger, as you earn experience and all of that, you're actually like mapping new parts of your brain that can do more things with telekinesis and stuff. So it's kind of a clever little overlay for what would otherwise be maybe a very gamey thing. And uh, I know that there's a little bit of skepticism with Bandai Namco recently. They've kind of slowed down on their role playing game output and they've been seeking as we've been discussing, Chris, on our show, they've been seeking external, especially Western partners more and more aggressively over the last few years, but this is so decidedly Japanese, and i'm I'm really, really excited about this, Dustin I'm eager to see or hear what you think of this one because you this certainly must scratch the weeb in you.
4: Oh yeah, yeah, this game looks really fantastic, and I'm realizing more and more that I do think that I prefer action RPGs to normal RPGs when it comes down to it. And this one, like I'm watching the gameplay now because I haven't seen it in a little while and it just looks really fun. It's got like really cool, bright, explosive colors. And I'm trying to remember, Colin, is this this doesn't have any kind of exclusivity to Xbox. I know they have the marketing deal, though, right?
3: Yeah, it's it. No, it's going to be on everything PC, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X and S. But yeah, it seems like Microsoft is locking this one down.
4: Interesting. But yeah, I think it looks really great. And especially because coming off their last big high profile uh, action RPG, I believe that would have been uh, Code Vein, which was definitely mixed. And yeah, I mean, it's hard to say, but just looking at the gameplay, I feel like this game looks way better than that.
3: I totally agree with you there. Chris, is this too weebish for you? Uh, it
5: might be. But I, I, I remember when this showed up, I think I think they they announced it during a state of play. Right. And then I think I think we might have talked about it.
3: Yeah, it was during it was either that or no, no, it was Mi- Microsoft announced it at their event uh, in May. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, that's oh, wow. I totally forgot that that was even
5: a thing that happened. God, this year has been so long. But, uh, yeah, no, I remember we, we talked a little bit about it, and I remember specifically saying how cool I thought the enemy design was, and how, like, just the fact that they're, like, these flower demons was just, like, a really kind of interesting, like, I had never seen enemy design like that, and I remember seeing, seeing it and just being, like, really really struck by that, and I, I, I kind of have interest in it, I, I just feel like I'm definitely gonna have to get over the, the, <laughs> just the, 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 the weeb stuff that I just I really yeah the anime stuff I, I yeah I might have to like take a Xanax and calm down and and mm. just um, <laughs> right before right, I play it but yeah I don't know like it's definitely something that is on my radar but it's it's probably lower on the list than some other things Uh but I, I love the art style that I'm seeing from it and just the design that I'm seeing
3: Kenji Anabuki is the uh, director of the game I'm excited about this because he's a long time design lead for and kind of the combat designer, actually of a lot of the Tales games, so should be pretty interesting. I actually also think he totally directed, like outright directed Tales of Exilia too. So yeah, there's there's something to be excited about here. I'm totally looking forward to this game. Again, I think Dustin kind of, or at least I inferred this from Dustin that like the and certainly what Chris was saying, the the melding of Namco Band or Bandai Namco does the melding of anime and then combat. I think the best out of every major publisher. But there's still some sort of disconnect for me when I play these games from the aesthetic of the cutscenes, which are so clean. And then you get in the games that are usually a little subpar by Western standards. It seems like Bandai Namco is closing that gap. And I hope that it seems like that gap might be closed with Scarlet Nexus. But good call, Dustin. This is an Xbox kind of featured game that's not being talked about too much by Sony. All right, Uh, boys, I kick it back over to you for number three. Dustin, let's hear what you have to say. Oh, boy. Yeah, here we go.
4: So number three, I have Nier Replicant. And this is from Square Enix. And they have Toy Logic developing the game. And I believe that Platinum is assisting in one way or another with Toy Logic to make this. And I'm particularly excited about this game because I have never played the original Nier. And from what I hear... It's not really very fun to play. Everyone always talks about the story and the music and the art direction, but I think it's kind of universal that it's not exactly ideal in the gameplay department. So what I think is good is that they've made it clear that this isn't a full ground-up remake. They're just kind of going... It's its somewhere between a remaster and a remake, so they are they're redoing a lot of the combat, but... Keeping the music and the story and the art direction completely the same, and yeah, I'm just really excited to dive in. And what makes this release particularly interesting is that when we got the original near in the U.S., it was uh, technically near Gestalt in Japan. So there's technically two versions of there's of this game in Japan. There's Gestalt and there's Replicant, and depending on which one you play you have a different lead character. And so the one we had in the U.S., you played as, like, this father figure. And this one you play as an older brother in Replicant. And so from people who's, who have played both, this is supposed to be the superior version of the story. So all around, uh, I think this is hopefully will be really fantastic. It's it's kind of the same thing with, with this game as Harry Potter, is that I'm just... A little cautiously optimistic since Toy Logic has kind of a mixed history of stuff they've worked on. I know that they've been like a support and a porting team in the past. And so hopefully this one comes out all right. I would hope that uh, Square Enix sees the success that Near Automata has been and think, you know, really looks at this and is like, okay, we got to make sure we get this right. This is a potentially huge franchise for us in the future. We got to make sure we don't burn them early on.
3: Yeah, I I'm so confused by near, generally speaking, when Chris and I have discussed it in the past on the show, I remind people that the it's really tech. The series was technically it's Drakengard, right? Which was the series that began on PS2 and was actually made by a developer called Cavia, which doesn't exist anymore. At some point, Square Enix acquired this and then I don't it's like a totally confusing series. It's actually it doesn't put me off. It's actually just it overwhelms me. So so to the point where I'm like, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do here, what I'm supposed to play. But I actually did play the original Nier for a little while when it came out. Uh, I don't remember too much about it. I I don't think I played it very much, but Edwin Castillo wrote into us. I know a friend of yours. Yes, here he is (laughs) over on Patreon. He says, hello, come boys. Yoko Taro has been walking around asking if you fucks are ready for some sadness and one of the greatest OSTs to have ever been composed. My game of the year 2021 will be releasing in April, Nier Replicant, a game that is a remake, but most likely not just a remake of the original Nier on PS3. I'm currently replaying the original, so when you and Chris inevitably skip that game to personally insult me, my wife and all those I love and hand off the spoiler cast to Dustin and Maddie, that I better be the third chair with Insights such as the main character canonically has sold himself into prostitution before to help him and his sister with money. I don't know what you're even talking about. Edwin. So this is a big thing
4: in the the discord. Like this is some CLS discord lore. Oh, my God. Edwin has started this this tirade really to try <laughs> to be on a near spoiler cast to the point where someone created a change.org petition in order to get him on this. And I just don't. We don't operate like that, Colin. We don't no. we don't bow to the will of the fans. And so the more of terrorists the, of, <laughs> of terrorists. Exactly. So no negotiations.
5: Know, <laughs> yes.
4: The more he pushes, I mean, it already was never going to happen. But the more he pushes, the more it's even like negative infinity going to happen of, of putting Edwin on the spoiler cast. I mean,
3: yeah. Who are you, Edwin? I don't know you. How dare you? I don't, you. Know, I don't he, know you. To be he's a very
4: nice young gentleman. He's been uh, a delight to talk to overall. But this uh, this fantasy land he's living in is just too much.
3: <laughs> well, fair enough. Uh, Near Replicant. Version one point two, two, four, seven, four, four, eight, seven, one, three, nine, which is the full name of the game. Dot, 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 Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There's an ellipsis there as well. It comes out April 23rd, 2021 on PS4. Obviously, you can play it on PS5 as well. Uh, Chris, you have no interest in this, I assume.
5: <laughs> no, not even slightly. I can't even pretend. Okay, fair enough. Well, then I leave it with you for your number three. Yeah, so, uh, uh number three. My number three is Back for Blood. Developed by Turtle Rock. Obviously, the people who uh, gave us a Left for Dead, Left 4 Dead 2. I adore Left 4 Dead, and I've been longing for a multiplayer shooter that is as simple and as easy to jump into as Left 4 Dead One and two were at the time when they came out. I still think that there's like there's a lot of these zombie games that have come out. You know, like you got you have Resident Evil, which is like great; it's its own thing. You have like even in the shooter department, you have Call of Duty Zombies, which is kind of you know this convoluted mess. In my experience, I've never really been that much of a fan. I always felt like Call of Duty Zombies was just kind of kind of over over overcomplicated. Left for Dead in a lot of ways, but just seeing the trailer for this and seeing the gameplay of it just really reminded me, like, man, you could just have, like, a really simple multiplayer horde shooter and it can just be fun and that's it. And that's really all it needs to be. It doesn't need to reinvent the wheel. It doesn't need to blow you away with any kind of, like, new, crazy technology. It can just be something fun and reliable. And that's what I'm That's what I'm seeing from all the materials that I've seen. The closed uh, beta just actually started. I didn't manage to snag a a way in sadly but that's already underway and uh based on that projection i assume probably like i assume mid 2021 is probably when this thing's gonna be out yeah it has a date
3: apparently of june 22nd
5: yeah totally. so we'll
3: see we'll see if that is held and it'll be on again this is another one of those that'll be on ps4 and ps5 Mm mm-hmm which is, I don't know. I continue to be disappointed by that, but it is understandable as well.
5: Yeah, well, I mean, it is just like it is ostensibly just Left 4 Dead 3. Like it, it, it's, it's even got a four in the middle of the name. It's, it's by the same people. Like it's, it's actually kind of interesting because it's like it's almost kind of like a, like kind of like a, a weird kind of snide remark at Valve, where it's like, hey, look, like, you gonna do anything about this?
3: <laughs> you know, like how, how you feel about this. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. It it reminds me a lot of what any creates and uh, Play Arts does in Japan with uh, Bloodstained, which is just Castlevania. And, yeah, and Konami just really can't do anything about it. But it's just Castlevania made by the old producer of Castlevania, which is funny. So it's it's a very it's a very similar situation. with back for blood for sure.
5: Yeah, yeah, it's totally the same. And it's like, look, I'm totally like when you have something that is like really cool and really really simple. I've said this a lot about, like, Shadow of the Colossus, and I'll say it again with Left 4 Dead. Dude, this is fun. Just fucking, just copy this shit. Like, honestly, like, I'm all for it. Like, I feel like, I feel like a lot of games have become so complicated to the point where they, like, become too complicated for their own good. And I feel like Left 4 Dead is just one of those games where, like, I can just, I can just jump in, have a good time, jump out, and not have this weird, like, fear of missing out thing that's in all these live service games where it's like, oh, I missed a special event. You know, oh, damn, I can't get the... Special skin for my AK forty seven or whatever the hell. It's like it, it, no, it's just you know you jump in, you kill zombies, you chat with your friends, you laugh a little bit, and then you and then you're done, and then you do it again tomorrow if you want. It's just it's uh it just reminded me of a lot of good times seeing that gameplay trailer and, and
3: reveal. What do you think, Dustin? Do you think that this is something you'll want to play?
4: Yeah, I'm really interested in this, and I I saw people playing the beta, and I was uh, was jealous, but Left for Dead such a awesome game i remember playing i think it was either left 4 dead one or two i don't remember which one but i spent basically an entire christmas break playing that game and i have really good memories particularly with the pvp mode and so i just looked and it appears that back for blood will also have an eight player pvp mode which is going to be oh beautiful awesome yeah and so What's unique about Left 4 Dead, and I'm guessing is the case with this game, is that it's not just a a horde mode where you're just like staying stationary, like zombies, uh, Call of Duty zombies, where enemies are coming to you. There may be some movement in those to get, you know, to different loot boxes or whatever. But I always loved that Left 4 Dead was like you have to, you're going from point A to point B. And that's, I think, what made the multiplayer mode so special is that you would be able to, like, get ready and do ambushes because you knew the other team was going to be going through a certain area. So, yeah, I definitely have my eye on this one, and I'm
5: I'm excited to check it out. Dude, just, just the fact that you could play as the zombies in that game. Yeah. I, I haven't seen that in anything, like, since. Like, really. Like, the fact that you could just have a team of zombies, like, and special infected, like, trying to sabotage the other team was always such a cool kind of aspect to those games and I, I I remember the first time I played it the demo had come out on Xbox Live for the first one in, in I believe 2000 2008 and me and my friends were playing it. and it was it was my first real experience with a uh, a horror game that I tried to like I like I'd played BioShock but I put it down cuz it it scared the shit out of me that scene in the elevator at the beginning just like fucked me up so I put <laughs> it I put it down for like a couple years and I remember playing the demo for Left 4 Dead and it was the first time that I remember being scared, but also laughing my ass off. Right. Like, the whole time I was having so much fun while also being, like, terrified at how good the sound design was and how good the graphics were at the time. It's just so goddamn special. And uh, I'm just happy to see it back in, in, any, in any way, even if it's not, like, you know, under the, the moniker of Left 4 Dead. It's honestly close enough to the moniker, quite honestly.
3: Yeah, so it's exciting for PlayStation fans, too, because... You'll remember the Left 4 Dead as a series totally skipped PlayStation. So with the exception of Evolve, which came out in 2015, Sony has never even gotten a Turtle Rock game before. So this is somewhat new for the audience. But in terms of the that was more of the asymmetric stuff in terms of, like you're saying, Chris, the the Left 4 Dead style games, the first time a PlayStation console will ever have gotten one. So again, not my, not my kind of game, but I have been reading that there's been a resurgence in Left 4 Dead play. Since this on um, Steam and others, that's not a huge surprise. And the beta, like you said, or the alpha is going now. So we'll keep an eye on that again. June 22nd is the aim date that they have for the game on PS4 and PS5. My next game is Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart coming to PlayStation 5. We don't yet have a release date for this game, but we think it's going to be in the first half of the year. It's developed by Insomniac. Insomniac which is now owned by Sony and obviously published by Sony. And I just had to put this game on the list. I think this game looks completely remarkable. The first thing that's really exciting about it is that Marcus Smith is directing it. Uh, Marcus Smith has never directed a Ratchet and Clank game. He's the director of Resistance. And so I think that that's a really interesting take. First of all, he also directed uh, Sunset Overdrive. Ooh, And I think you can see some of that in the... Uh, So it's actually interesting. Half of the directing team of Sunset Overdrive and Resistance is working on this and half of the directing team of Sunset Overdrive and Resistance is working on Perfect Dark because that's uh, Drew Murray. Oh, yeah. So um, so I'm really, really interested in this game for two reasons. Number one is Ratchet and Clank is always fun. And uh, I'm a really big fan of the series. I've always been a really big fan of the series. In terms of platformers and mascot platformers, this has always been the one that's taken the cake for me, with the exception of Mario, of course, which I think is the winner for everybody. And the second reason is that it's the really the first game we're going to see that uses the PS5 in an interesting way. It can't run on PS4. We were speculating on if it would come to PS4 back when it was announced. My speculation was half right because I also speculated Miles would come. But this game loads so quickly and uses the SSD in such a way that it simply cannot run on any other console. And uh, they're aiming for like all PS5 exclusives now, 4K at 60 frames. So it's going to be really beautiful as well. So I'm really, really looking forward to this. I don't want to see too much more. I don't know that I need to see too much more to get excited about it. Yeah. And I don't want too much more spoiled for me. And I don't know if the next trailer we get, I assume, for this game is going to be the release date trailer. So that'll be pretty exciting. I'm really looking forward to this one. What do you think, Dustin?
4: Yeah, this is interesting because I don't, have a, a long lineage of playing Ratchet & Clank games, the the PS4 Ratchet & Clank is actually the first one that I ever really played. And so I'm excited for this one as well. And I think what what you already what touched on is that I'm just excited to see how they're going to take advantage of the PlayStation 5. And we've seen that in trailers already in how uh, there's the different world jumping that... They're saying is only possible through the SSD, and so yeah, it's it'll be a cool taste of of what's to come. Since we really haven't had any games like that, other than maybe Demon Souls. But I mean, arguably that game probably could have run on on PlayStation Four. So yeah, yeah getting that new taste of next
5: gen
3: will be great. What do you think, Chris?
5: No, yeah, I, I agree. I, th- I think uh, I, I like. I'm I'm kind of like Dustin, where I, I don't necessarily have a huge like uh, I don't have a lot of experience with Ratchet and Clank as a series. I I kind of skipped a lot of PS2 in general. I was playing like a lot. I, I, the PS2 era for me was just Dragon Ball Z fighting games. Like then that was it. That was it was it was all the Budokai games and Budokai uh, everything yeah. else I was playing elsewhere. But you know, I played a little bit of the the, the one that came out not too long ago, and I I really enjoyed it and i think the thing that has me most excited about this is exactly what you said the fact that it's it's the only real ps5 exclusive so far and the only game so far that seems to be really taking advantage of that tech in a way that's really like no holds barred and you know that alone is enough to get me intrigued and excited to to mess around with this thing you know i i think it's going to be good i have no reason to i have no reason to uh feel like it wouldn't be but that's definitely the main drive for my excitement for it it's it's that like oh finally we have a a ps4 a ps5 game that's like really a ps5 game because i think you're right dustin that demon souls definitely could have it wouldn't have looked as pretty and the loading times would have been longer but it it definitely
3: could have run on a ps4 right so what i think is interesting about this game is Uh, Maybe above all else is the potential that it has to really allow Insomniac to emerge as arguably Sony's most important studio. And I think you can say that even above Naughty Dog um, at this point, if Ratchet becomes a hit, because now these guys are moving with Spider-Man and Ratchet, and that just simply can't be competed with. In the first party, no matter what you think about as quality, I think these guys kind of mix quality and sales in a way that the others simply aren't able to. Yeah. And so if this game is is excellent and I think it will be and Marcus Smith is a friend of mine, so I don't mean to blow smoke up his ass, but he doesn't make bad games. You know, he also directed the Spider-Man DLC, by the way. So it's just there's just something about the team making it. There's something about Insomniac's renaissance. That they're going through right now. And of course, the return of Ratchet and Clank, which I think has been a long time coming, of course, suggested by the 2016 re-release. But that was a re- remake and a, and a $40 budget game. This is going to be a $70 game. So I think that's going to be the other challenge is to see if people buy it because Ratchet and Clank sold so well in 2016, in part because it was so good at such an affordable price. I don't know if people are going to be willing to pay $70 for this, but I think they will. And Um, we'll talk about another game that will come out before this, I think, on PS5, but this will be a game that will be really important this summer. Mm -hmm. So, uh, we have a few audience inquiries about this. Not surprisingly, Bobby Burke wrote into us on Patreon. He says, hello, gents. My most anticipated game for me has to be Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. The series has been one of my favorites since the PS3 days, and I'm super excited that Sony is still finding mascot platformers. This seems to be the first next gen title that 100% couldn't run on PS4 with the jumping between worlds. So I can't wait to sink my teeth into this. Hope you've been staying well and Merry Christmas. Nimbus wrote into us and said, hey, c and hope you are both enjoying this holiday season. You too, Dustin. Hmm. The game I am most excited about next year is Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Ever since I moved to Japan two and a half years ago, I have been itching to go back to the old games, but have only uh, the reboot to play, I can't wait to sink my teeth into, new, into the new adventure with the lovable Lombacks. And finally, Rob Kvazna wrote into us and said, Dear Daddy Time, Colin and Baby New Year, Chris. He is Baby New Year. Isn't he? <laughs> was that a thing? Wait, wait, wait. was that a thing? Baby New Year? Is that like a, a thing that exists? Yeah, it's like a, a baby. New Year is like a, a it's like an icon. Like, I, I don't think it's like a baby, but it's like an icon of a baby bringing in the new year. Like it's a ba- a new have, newborn. I have never heard that term in my life. Yeah, go check it out. He says. I know I'm not alone in this thought, but I'm very excited for the new Ratchet and Clank game. The performance RT modes that have been patched in Spider-Man remastered in Miles Morales blow me away. Insomniac really seems to have a handle on this new system, and I'm excited to see what they can do with a new true console exclusive. All the ray tracing and haptics and load times will surely melt the remains of my smooth brain. Thank you for writing in, Rob. Ratchet and Clank, no date yet, but we expect it soon. All right, boys. So the next one, you guys agree on this one. So, Chris, why don't Dustin, I think, took the last one you guys agreed on. So, Chris, why don't you lead uh, this one here?
5: Yes. So my number three is Hitman 3, IO Interactive. I adore the Hitman games. I'm notoriously terrible at them. I haven't really beaten a single one of them, but I have a a, a stupid smile on my face the entire time that I, 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 I jump into any one of these titles. Hitman is a series that has had like such a weird history where it, like it started off like really kind of rocky and then became like this this big thing and then obviously in the in the 360 generation they kind of floundered a little bit with Absolution the IP was like just given back to them and then they just started making the best ones they've ever made and just the the sandbox nature of these games and and just how just how into it you can get it's just so nice, and especially in the current ecosystem where we just don't have stealth games anymore, Ubisoft is constantly dangling Sam Fisher in front of everybody like a like a set of keys in front of a baby, and it's it's just frustrating to just see them flounder in front of
3: in front of baby in front of baby
5: New Year. Baby New Year. <laughs> yeah. It's just frustrating to see like you know S- Splinter Cell just kind of not exist, and, and I, I just I'm really happy and grateful that Hitman has not only persisted through this generation but persisted with with pretty good success and and it shows that there is a market for some of these games that are you know a little bit more calculated and a little bit a little bit less action oriented and a little bit more uh, I don't want to say cerebral necessarily because it sounds a little pretentious but you know I I just like stealth games and it's it's the fact that this this one in particular is coming out on these new machines and supposedly there's going to be like a VR component to it which is like one of the biggest no-brainers I've ever seen. Hitman VR is like a like a shoe in for something that that would be amazing in VR. It just has all the, the the right things, and IO hasn't really missed with any of these games, and I have no reason to to think they'll miss with
3: this one. What do you say, Dustin?
4: Yeah, I this game. What's cool for me is that I the first Hitman of the new Hit Hitman games. I didn't really check it out until it came onto PlayStation Plus, and I really fell in love with it to the point where I quickly bought Hitman 2 and yeah I think Chris summed it up really well in that you know it's just such a a unique experience especially with gaming right now and one thing I I have to emphasize about Hitman is that the marketing shows that these games are like very serious uh you know kind of like thriller spy-esque type games but these are some of the funniest games that you will <laughs> ever play. Like, yeah. F- for example, in in the the very first mission of the first one, like you can it takes place in in Paris and there's a fashion show going on and you can like steal one of the runway models' outfit and then you have to like do the the walk on the runway and there's just a million silly moments in this game that are just
5: like will have you literally laughing out loud it it really is hilarious like it's got it's got a sense of humor about it that i, I don't think like th- i don't think this series could switch hands really well no like this is definitely like one of the one of the more unique kind of tones it, it, it reminds me a lot of um like yakuza in a weird way and, and it's not that yakuza is like similar to this at all but in the same way that like Yakuza is this like really kind of weird and kind of wacky take on a on a specific genre. It's it's kind of the same thing where it's like Hitman is this 007 kind of genre, but it's it's almost like a a parody of itself. But not but it's not like it's not a scary movie kind of parody. It's it's mm-hmm. it's really subtle and very just very bizarre, and it's not ashamed of how bizarre it is. And I, I love it for it.
4: And I think that's what makes it so exciting that they're doing a Bond game is that. Bond has become like this very serious character with the new Daniel Craig movies. But really, overall in history, he's been much more comedic in a lot of ways. And so I feel like this pairing is going to be great. But Chris, you also mentioned the the VR mode. And I think it's, it's important for people to know that not only will Hitman 3 be playable in VR, but they're making all of the old missions playable in VR as well, which is just incredible. There's going to be three games worth of content playable in VR. And uh, w- with that as well, they're, they allow you to import the old games into the new game. So basically, Hitman 3 can be this hub where you can play all the missions from Hitman 1, 2, and 3, and they're all running on the newer version of their engine that I'm sure will be like 4K, 60, and, and look incredible. So, Yeah, it's just going to be like a such a awesome complete package from everything that they're saying right now
5: Yeah, it's also the only game that i've ever seen really to do sequels in that way Right, and it's it's man. I i'm just really excited for it I think it's going to be really cool and these guys just deserve a lot of praise just because they're just making such weird shit and they're making essentially stealth games when they're just not around, they're they're. I feel like they're single-handedly keeping this genre alive, and I, I, I really, I can't even begin to express how happy that makes me.
3: Yeah, IO Interactive's journey, as you guys suggested, has been strange uh, because they were owned by Square Enix, and then after the first remade Hitman in 2016, Square Enix kind of let them go and actually let them take the the IP, and then WB published the second one. Also, remember the first one was like totally episodic. And then WB published the second one. And then finally, they're they're developing and publishing and funding this one by themselves. And it's the game on our list that's the nearest to release. It's a January 20th release. So it's only a few weeks away from when you guys hear this. So mm-hmm. Hitman 3, good choice indeed. All right. My number two game is Tales of Arise, my second Bandai Namco Studios slash Bandai Namco published game. I'm a big Tales fan, as I think a lot of veterans of this uh, podcast and my other podcasts know. And what I think is interesting about this game, there's a lot of things that are interesting about it. First of all, there hasn't been a Tales game in a long time. We used to get a Tales game pretty much every year, beginning kind of with Tales of Destiny 2 in the early 2000s, moving for about almost 15 years. And Tales of Berseria, which came out in 2016 in Japan and in 2017 in the West, was the last Tales game that we've gotten. Tales of Berseria is interesting because it was actually made for PS3 and PS4. We didn't get a PS3 release here, but... This makes Tales of Arise the first current gen, or it's, it's I guess, kind of current gen, uh, also last gen, because it's it's on PS4 only, so I guess it's last gen, really. But what's interesting about this game is that the Tales games, as everyone knows, have often combined some sort of rudimentary fighting game-like mechanics with turn-based combat and kind of the trappings of Japanese role-playing games. But what's interesting for nerds of Tales to research this game a little bit to understand is that this is the first time a Tails game has been built not on a proprietary engine. Um, they actually selected Unreal Engine 4 to run Tales of Arise. And what does that tell me? It tells me that this is actually going to be an action role-playing game uh, in the purest sense of the word, not a more traditional role-playing game like Tails was, although Tails has always been a little off the beaten path there. So this game was actually supposed to come out this year. COVID fucked it up. They talked about it not too long ago, actually. They haven't given it a release date yet. My one concern with the game is that it seems like they've been struggling a little bit with what makes Tales Tales since the exit of Hideo Babo, who was the longtime director uh, of the series. And so I, I'm with great eagerness awaiting Tales of Arise. Mm-hmm. Chris, I know this doesn't do anything for you, but Dustin, are you a, a Tales guy? You know, what's
4: weird is that the only Tales game that I've really put any time into is Tales of Zestiria, which everyone tells me is one of the worst
3: ones. Yeah. It's like the, yeah, that was, that's arguably the worst one.
4: Right. And so it's, it's one of those series. That's just like in my backlog that I've been meaning to really immerse myself in one of the, the better ones, like specifically uh, the tales of Vesperia definitive edition right now is on game pass. So I have it installed on my series X, but it's, hasn't been a good time for it. And it's, I keep saying that about a lot of games. I'm sure you guys understand that. It's like, now's not the time. And then it's like, well, whenever is the good time? Sure. So eventually I'll be sitting there and it will strike my fancy. But these games look like games that I would love. So I don't know. It's, it's probably a, a personal problem that I haven't taken care of that.
3: Like every JRPG, it's, it's also just a... It's at least a two or three week commitment unless you yeah. really want to play it like eight or ten hours a day. And even then, it's maybe a two or three hour commitments or two to three week commitment rather. So I totally understand what you're saying. I think it's a long time that Tails has returned. And to put it into context, Tails hasn't there hasn't been a Tails game in the entire time that I've been doing Collins last Stand. There hasn't been a Tails game and in the old style of Tails. There would have been at least two, if not three already. So. Uh, whether or not that's a good thing or not remains up to us, I guess. But Tails has been trending downward with not only hysteria but also Berseria. And so I think um, Arise will be a nice change. Hopefully that's all I have for now. I have one more to go, but I'll leave it for a moment. Dustin, what's your number one most anticipated game?
4: All right. Number one is Elden Ring, which is, of course, from software and they are partnering with Bandai Namco. It seems like Bandai Namco is the the winner of this episode as far as uh the most mentions, but Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I really am just smitten with all things from software at this point. I've said before that Bloodborne I think is like m- maybe my favorite game of the the PS4 generation and I am just really curious not only what this game is but what is currently happening with this game. We got our first reveal at the Xbox showcase in 2019 and we have not heard really anything since other like a few things where uh From Software is like we're working on it. We're glad everyone's so excited about it. And at one point, Phil Spencer said that he had played extensive parts of it and had said that it was uh, Miyazaki's most ambitious game yet. And so it'll be cool because From Software concluded the Dark Souls trilogy. Then they made kind of a similar but less RPG style game with Sekiro that was very focused on combat. And I just get a feeling that this is kind of like a a step up for this studio to do something that's on an entirely new level. We know that Elden Ring is gonna be much more of an open world game and is supposed to be much more involved than previous games from the studio. And I'm just really excited to to see where they take it. And one of the other more interesting aspects is that George R. R. Martin has uh, a credit in this specifically that he kind of laid the outline of the lore of the world and so that pairing of george rr martin and along with from software's art direction and miyazaki's direction as far as making these like dark fantasy games i just feel like it's a match made in heaven and i am just hopeful that we are going to at least get some more info Very soon. Hopefully,
3: I was wondering uh, because other people wrote in about this game as well. I will read their comments in a moment. But I was wondering about this game being on the list. I'm going to I left it, obviously, and I'm going to allow it. But I don't think they verify that this game is coming out right in 2021.
4: No, I was thinking on whether or not I should put it on the list. But then I saw Chris's number one and I thought this is kind of in the same boat, even though that one has a date. But we (laughs) may or may not actually be 2021. So and this one, too, I think if it doesn't come out in 2021, I think that there's something very wrong going on behind the scenes. But who
3: knows? Yeah, because that would be four years of full development. But Chris, are you excited about Elden Ring from from software?
5: I'm definitely excited to see it. From Software has always been a, a studio that I appreciated, but n- it's it's. I feel like their games, for the most part, don't necessarily strike a chord with me. I think they're either like they demand too much of me, or I just I just don't have the patience for them. Never really got into Dark Souls. Bloodborne was was pretty good, but that was another game that I that I just sort of put down after a while. Sekiro was the one that I I, I love the most, just because I love the freedom and the verticality of it. And I I think, as Dustin said, that just the focus on combat that just made it uh, a little bit more approachable and a little bit more more, uh, uh, accessible to somebody like me, who's just not really good at parries and shit. But I'm really curious to see what the hell this thing is. It's been hyped up for a long time. That that pairing with... uh, RR Martin is 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 pretty is nothing to scoff at and I think just the just how long it's been in development is another kind of thing where it's like okay this could be this could be something pretty cool I'm definitely really really curious and I I definitely want to see more of it but uh, right now from software for me as far as like making some of my favorite shit is is really just Sekiro you know so
4: right yeah I I I think the thing that I'm I'm guessing at this point is that this game was in development for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. And I'm wondering if they just reached a point where they, they thought that they, this game would be a lot better as a next-gen only game. Yeah. And so a lot of development needed restarted. That's pure speculation and honestly probably just wishful thinking. But again, we know so little that you can't even really speculate at all.
3: Yeah, they have still only announced the game for last gen. So even when they because they did kind of pipe up in the last few weeks and say, like, yeah, we're still doing our thing. But when you look at From Software's output, like they've slowed down precipitously. Yeah. So Elden Ring seems like it's it's kind of forcing them to use at least most of their resources to get this thing going. And I agree with what you said, Dustin. I, I think it will be really intriguing to see a FromSoft Style combat game and a truly open world, as opposed to an interconnected world, that seems to be what they're going for. And so I'm 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 looking forward to seeing what it is too. I'll play it if it's not obnoxious. (laughs) I don't I don't feel like that is going to be the case. But yeah, Bandai Namco has a great relationship with From Software. In fact. They're probably closest with them out of everyone at this point. Uh, very good selection. But Jeffrey Leonard wrote in to us on Patreon and said, hey, you filthy animals. My most anticipated game is Elden Ring. Apparently, I'm an all around glutton for punishment in regards to my gaming taste and how long I have to wait to hear anything about an upcoming game. From Software hasn't steered me wrong yet. And Toast9 wrote in and said, hey, CNC, Elden Ring is easily my most anticipated game of 2021. This has been the longest time from announcement to launch in from software's recent history. And now with Bluepoint's technical achievement of Demon's Souls, Do you think this is forced from soft to buy time to polish the visuals of Elden Ring? I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I think that the game is just uh, very ambitious. And so we have to be patient. All right. That's all of Dustin's. Now, Chris, what is your number one? Yeah. So my number one, uh, God of war, Ragnarok,
5: Sony, Santa Monica. I think, um, like Dustin said, and I also think this, I've said this countless times, I'm not necessarily positive that this game is going to come out in 2021, but it's got a date announced, so I i, I felt uh, justified in, in, in putting it in here, because I do think it it's something that is, you know, it's, it's a game that's, I think, very important for Sony. God of War was such a uh, surprise in 2018, to me anyway, uh, because I remember looking at the trailers for God of War 2018 and thinking, oh, they just, uh, they made God of War into The Last of Us, cool. And I remember being like kind of down on it, and I was—I remember just not looking forward to it at all. And then one day it was just sort of out, and I played it, and I, I genuinely loved it. And I think it was my favorite game on, on the on the PS4. And it's just—I'm uh, looking forward to seeing those characters again. I'm looking forward to stepping into that world again. I am a little disappointed with the idea that it's in all likelihood going to be a cross-gen game, which is this the sad sad reality of just a lot of these types of games it's good it's good for the players i get it but you know i i really would have liked to see god of war kind of pushed into this kind of forced into the next generation just so i could see really what these machines are capable of doing with a god of war title but yeah i have no reason not to be really excited about this i i think. Uh, Especially since they have such a, a good foundation built already with the first game and, and just the promise of Thor showing up and just all these different things that they can work with in the mythology. Uh it's it's shaping up to be something that's very interesting. But like I said, I really doubt this is coming out in twenty twenty one. I think we would have seen more than just a logo if that was the case. But hey,
3: man, you know, this is <laughs> that's what they said, so Yeah, see, I I'm of a different mind here where It seems hard to believe. And we've said this. It seems hard to believe. But I was thinking about this not too long ago, Chris, where we've had such a reserved and more clinical Sony recently. Mm -hmm. And why would they say 2021 if it wasn't going to come out like no one made them do that? We didn't need that trailer. See, that's the thing is, I was like, we don't need that, especially because Horizon is coming out, too. So I feel like they wouldn't have said that unless it was further along. I think the thing that's most interesting about this game to me, we haven't seen anything of it, obviously, in terms of gameplay, but I'm not entirely convinced Corey Barlog is directing it. And we we've we've discussed this in the past. I think that this might be a different I I think it's that Sony Santa Monica, but I I wouldn't be surprised if it was another team Mm -hmm. that was doing it or maybe the same team with different leadership that has risen up the ranks. So what about you, Dustin? Are you a. have a boner here for Ragnarok aka Valhalla. Oh.
4: Yeah. Uh, yeah, God of War Valhalla. I uh I am excited for this. It's just uh it's it's one of those that it's so uh we know so little other than that screen that it's it's hard for me to to get truly pumped up, but man, God of War 2018 was just a huge surprise for me since the old God of War games really never did anything for me overall mm-hmm. to the point where I played the the new God of War and tried to go back and play the old ones. And I was like, "Nah, this this isn't still isn't doing it for me. So uh, I'm I'm curious about where they'll they'll take the story next. And
3: uh, yeah, I, I, I'm excited. I, I guess there's just not too much more to say because we don't even really know. Yeah. Anything else about it? The name suggests something about it, obviously. And God of War 2018 was just was just really, really great. So J.J. Kazempoor wrote into us on Patreon. He says, hey, or actually he doesn't say hey at all. He says, what's up, CDC? The answer to the most anticipated 2021 PlayStation game has to be the one we all know is definitely coming within the confines of the next 365 days. I'm speaking, of course, of the one and only God of War Valhalla. Here's a wild idea for you with Insomniac churning out both Spider-Man, Miles Morales and Ratchet and Clank Rift apart so quickly after their previous projects, let's so, let alone so close to each other. Is it possible that we see Sony Santa Monica adopt a similar strategy with the God of War franchise of pushing highly polished but shorter length games so that dev cycles aren't overbearingly long? No, please don't do that. God of War needs to be God of War. It needs to be what we've now now know is God of War. Let's say at 15 to 20 hour kind of nonlinear, kind of open world. Yeah, yeah. Action oriented. Oh, it was, it was, the combat needs to be smooth and buttery. Who didn't someone complain that we were using that word or that you were using that word? Yes. People were complaining that I was using that word too much, which is not even a word that I use that often. I mean, I don't understand that. No, people just people clue in on the weirdest shit. Joey Hornreich wrote into us and said, what's up, my favorite podcast? Without a doubt, my heart screams for God of War Ragnarok as my most anticipated game of 2021. But my brain is saying it'll most definitely be delayed to 2022. A fellow's got a dream, though, right? Hope all y'all are well, and let's all hope that the next year will be significantly better than this one. We all indeed hope that. Thank you, Joey, for writing in. Good choice, Chris. My final choice here is Returnal from Housemark and Sony. Now, this game also has a release date, which is exciting. It's March 19th, 2021. As far as we know, this is the next first or second party PlayStation 5 exclusive Sony published game. So this is a second-party game from Housemark. Sony is publishing it. It is only on PS5, March 19th, 2021. Now, everyone that's listened to me for years knows that I have a huge, huge love in my heart for Housemark. I think that they are one of the very best game designers and uh, developers. And what I, I think is exciting about Returnal, now that we've finally seen gameplay of it, which happened just a couple of weeks ago, it was announced, obviously, in June. But we've seen gameplay of it, and it seems like what I'm seeing here is a game that is keeping the trappings of what makes Housemart great, which is quick, kinetic, score based, hopefully gameplay with waves of enemies and all of that. But it seems like it's just modern and no one ever really had a set. No one ever made a rule that Housemart couldn't make a modern, beautiful AAA game. What they really wanted was a Housemart game. Yeah. And you can do that. You can have it both ways. Housemark doesn't have to be Super Stardust or Resogun. It's just that these things need the hook at the center of their games needs to be there no matter what the game looks like and how it plays. And so this is by far the most ambitious, highest production value, clearly most expensive. This game is probably more expensive than almost anything they've made combined, I would assume. And I'm excited about it. I'm just concerned about it, too, because I think the people are already complaining about the asking price of $70 and Returnal and Mark still doesn't have the resonance outside of the core that I was hoping that they would have by now, but I can't help but be absolutely stoked uh, to play this game. Is anyone with me on this show? I'm with you. Yeah?
4: Yeah, well, so I'm with you, and I have some some reservations. Mainly the big one is that this is what they say is a roguelike game, and so that instantly raised a, a little bit of red flags for me, but I have to remember that Hades also a roguelike game that kind of changed my perspective on what a a story-based roguelike game could be. And so I guess it's really going to come down to how they implement that and how it fits into it. So it's just it's a little bit weird too. I mean th- this is a full-fledged $70 game and not that nothing that we're seeing suggests that it's going to be budget, but it is, you know, a, a different price range than what this studio has done before. I don't know,
3: man. It's it's a huge risk. Yeah, right? this is this is different. But Sony came back to the well. Doesn't that tell you something? Because they they Sony kind of let them go. I mean, X Machina or next Machina had nothing to do with Sony. Matterfall was a Sony published game, but it didn't really do very well. And it seemed like Housemark was adrift for a little while. They were working on Storm Divers, uh, as I said last week in our show, or two weeks ago. I don't know. We're recording them out of order, but I think Storm Divers is in this game. I wouldn't be surprised to learn that later on. But Housemark must have come back to the well for a reason. My hope is that this game is so good that Sony finally puts a ring on it. Mm. Because I feel like Housemark is just one of the very few studios that just makes sense within Sony. It doesn't make sense anywhere else. There aren't that many studios like that anymore, and I feel like they're one of them. And so I'm really pulling for this game. But we'll, of course, give it an honest assessment. Yeah. uh, When the time comes. Uh, In the meantime, go play Resogun, you fucking idiots. (laughs) Now, guys, those are our games. We've selected 13 of them because, again, Chris and Dustin had some overlap. But I wanted to go over some games that people wrote in about that we didn't talk about. We can go through these quick or as quickly or as not quickly as we want to. Of course, let's start with Habroxia 2. Sean Mason wrote in and said, hi, you fine gentlemen, the game I am most looking forward to in 2021 is Habroxia 2. I absolutely love the gameplay of the first one. And now with Colin on board, fleshing out the story, I am excited to see where it goes. Thank you. Habroxia 2 comes out in early February and you can kill me in the game. So look forward to that. You can. Uh, You can kill Chris, too. Oh, really? That's awesome. Yeah. Dustin and Chris are both uh, there are collectible astronauts in the game. But if you shoot them instead of collecting them, then they die. So (laughs) That's awesome. uh, So, yeah, they're both in it. But um. Yeah, we're really excited about it. Thank you so much for your kindness uh, back to the real games here that people are really excited about more than anything. Gran Turismo seven. Fat Spiro wrote into us and said, hey, guys, I can't wait for GT seven, but I'm having trouble allowing myself to get too excited because I don't think there's a chance in hell it actually comes out in 2021. Thomas Critz wrote in and said, hey, guys, for me, it's Gran Turismo seven. This is the first Gran Turismo since the PS2 era. That looks like put it will put Polyphony back where the studio belongs as the premier sim racer. Forza Motorsport has replaced Gran Turismo for that title over the last decade. Plus, I don't think it's been that long. Hopefully, by the time the game is ready to release, Sony will be able to make a bundle for the game. That's when I will get a PS5. Thanks, guys. I hope everyone out there has a great holiday season and happy new year. And Josh Bailey of the New York Islanders wrote in and said, hey, CDC disease factory. Mm. I must say I will be one of the weirdos whose most anticipated game for 2021 is Gran Turismo 7. I don't think that's weird. I have been with the series since the first entry and have nothing but excitement to get back to a proper Gran Turismo game. The games have slowed down in releases, but they always push the genre forward whenever they do come out. I don't think there's anything to fear here. I think this game is definitely coming out in 2021. And uh, is there any excitement in the crew for this game? Not for me, because I don't even drive real cars. So, mm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I uh, I'm not really that big on racing games. I think I
5: think Dirt 5 was the last one that I really gravitated towards. And even that one, it's just kind of sitting on my console, you know, but it 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 is exciting. The premise of them kind of coming back and, and having another Cracking it because, well, I don't think it's been a decade plus that Forza has had this kind of premier racing sim crown. I think it's been more like no, about. there's no way. I think it's been about like, what, seven years, maybe?
3: I think it's been the generation, basically.
5: Yeah, yeah, this generation, definitely. But yeah, just seeing a new Gran Turismo on, on exclusively on PS5 hardware is, is uh, definitely something to keep an eye on.
3: Yeah. Yeah, Polyphony is great. What, what they do I'm sorry to interrupt Dustin.
4: oh no I was just gonna say this is one that I'm excited to see in motion like one of my buddy Brandon will probably pick up this game and so I'll have him bring it over and we're gonna check it out on like you know my OLED TV and Marvel at it but not one that I'm just I'm just too bad at these games I just can't even drive
5: period let alone race <laughs> yeah you're excited to see it not necessarily excited to play it yeah
3: yeah all right we have some people that wrote in about Horizon Forbidden West from Guerrilla Games Marat Jenny, Jenny Atulin wrote in and said, Hello, friends. Out of all of the 2020, 2021 releases, I want to play Horizon Forbidden West the most. If Gorilla managed to create a smash hit with the first game, even though it was their first time creating an open world RPG, imagine what they can achieve with the sequel. And I don't think the fact that the game is crushed and will hurt it too much, simply because I believe in talent and skill of that studio. Wishing you happy upcoming holidays, your dedicated listener from Russia. Thank you. Seth Bain wrote in and said, Hey, CNC, I believe the correct answer to this question is Horizon Forbidden West. How could anyone be more excited about anything else? What was probably the greatest new IP of the last generation is getting a full-blown sequel, so sign me up. Personally, I hope to see more new IP from this next generation than last, but I simply cannot get more excited over new IP than a follow-up to a game where Robo Dino go boom. (laughs) I totally understand that, Seth. And finally, Matthew Cooper wrote in and said, Sup, dudes. I'm most looking forward to Horizon 2 in 2021. I slept on Horizon Zero Dawn until 2019, you fool. But I absolutely loved it. I want to see how the PS5 can run the sequel. Taking on the robot dinosaurs with great visuals and 60 frames would be quite the experience. Dustin, are you excited about Horizon?
4: Yeah, and I expect that this is the one we're going to get the most comments for none of us having it on our, our top five. But <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> yeah. despite that, I thought Horizon, the first game, was absolutely fantastic. And uh, I th- I don't know if it's because we haven't seen gameplay or something. I just don't know uh, what really to be extra excited for. I just if, if it's more Horizon than That'll be great. So,
5: uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it.
3: How about you, uh, Chris? Yeah,
5: I mean, Cyberpunk third-person Turok is, you know, just kind of kind of awesome as a premise. Uh, I, I I like anything with robot dinosaurs. Uh, I, I I loved it. what was that? What was that Far Cry DLC with with uh, Blood Dragon? Oh, Blood Dragon. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was so cool for the for just for just for the reason that just like oh, there's robot dinosaurs. This is, this is cool as hell. I think Horizon has a lot of potential. I I think. I think the first one, I don't know, something about it just didn't didn't grab me. Especially after I think Ghost of Tsushima really kind of just like the open world design of that game is just so stellar and so great that I think I, I think Horizon needs to take at least some cues from that. But I think the foundation for a uh, for an amazing sequel to Horizon is there.
3: So I am I am looking forward to it for sure. I I, I agree with you, and I agree with something. Dustin said as well, which is like, well, there's not much to get excited about. It's exciting. It's exciting that it's coming. It's yeah. exciting that it exists. It's taking place in the American West. It's very interesting. Again, I wish games wouldn't take place here, but Horizon should take place here. The first one did as well. But yeah, I first of all, I think the game is coming out this year. They said that it will. I think it will hit this year specifically because it is cross gen. But it's another one of those games that I am woefully disappointed is cross gen. And it's another one of those games that they hid, by the way. Remember, was cross gen. Yeah. A they admitted it later. So that part of it makes me a little um, bummed out, I guess You, I want to say. But I think they know what they're doing over at Gorilla. So we'll see that game by this time next year, I assume. And uh, yeah, we're all excited about it. Good selection. A few people wrote in about Resident Evil Village, also known as Resident Evil 8. Joseph Gallagher wrote in. And by the way, I'm sorry if you hear the dog in the background. He's like annoying the shit out of me. He says, hey, fellas. Hope you're all doing well. My most anticipated game of 2021 is Resident Evil Village. Capcom has been on a roll the last few years with all these high quality titles from Resident Evil 7 to the Devil May Cry 5. Village looks to continue. This trend is not only does it look breathtaking, but also quite frightening. It looks like Capcom has something special on their hands with this game, and I cannot wait to see what this game has to show us. I hope you all stay safe and happy holidays. Nick Himes wrote in and said, hey, fellas, I'm looking forward to Resident Evil 8 The Village. I'm a huge fan of all things horror, and I was a huge fan of Resident Evil 7. The one thing I want them to confirm is if it will be a PSVR compatible. I want that. I want to know that as well. I don't think it will be, though. I played Resident Evil 7 in VR, and it was such a fun experience. Thanks for the weekly content. Keep up the great work. And Eric wrote into us and said, what's up, boys? The game I am most looking forward to is Resident Evil 8. The feeling of entering a new area with loads of locked doors and mysterious pathways gives me such joy. I know what you mean. The series does such a great job with condensed but detailed environments that you can explore. I hope there are still zombies in it, though. Thanks for a great year of content. So, What I'm most excited about with this game is that it is a next-gen game. Mm -hmm. It is only on PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X, and PC. And Capcom has said that it will be aiming to get this out in 2021. I believe them. Chris, are you looking forward to Resident Evil Village?
5: Yeah, and I I think you just hinted at exactly why. I I think uh, it is exciting whenever these games are confirmed to be kind of locked onto this new hardware, just because you just kind of have an understanding that it won't need to be designed within the parameters of of what held the previous generation back. And and I I don't know necessarily what that could really mean for a game like Resident Evil 8. Uh, Resident Evil is not, you know, a game with really complicated AI or, or like, uh, you know, hundreds of enemies on screen at once. So I, I'm curious as to what it could really leverage out of that power and, and what it would do to really justify it being exclusively on next gen. Because I feel like of all the games that I'm excited for, that's one of the few that I, I feel like I wouldn't be disappointed. Was on previous gen, just because I don't know what they could really extract out of this hardware aside from just like really smooth frame rates and maybe bigger environments and obviously like the the standard quicker load times. But yeah, I I played Resident Evil Seven. I I didn't finish it, but I played a decent amount of it on on PC not too long ago, and I, I really did enjoy it. It's it it. I didn't think I would really like f- first person in Resident Evil, but it turned out pretty good they do a really great job with really condensed and small, uh, environments. And they really get you to have this like really intimate knowledge of this play space that you spend the whole game in. And it's, uh, I'm, I'm really, really into resident evil as of late, especially with obviously two remake and and seven and the promise of this and the potential, uh, grandeur of, uh, resident evil Four remake, which is like what 2022 at this point, all likelihood. Yep. So, yeah, like, I'm really happy to see Resident Evil just kind of thriving again.
3: Yeah, it's cool. I I will say to your point about what can they really extract out of a next gen? I think survival horror is one of those genres where I think literal beauty and realism enhances the game. Yeah, that's fair. So I think I think that that like. The more real the environment looks, the more you believe it, mm-hmm. the scarier it becomes. And so I think it's that's one of the rare genres where I think frame rate's fine. It'll obviously be at 60 frames or whatever. But yeah, that's not even really that relevant. I, it's just like when you turn a corner and you see beautiful textures and believable shadows and lighting and stuff, I think that's just going to make it hor- more horrifying. So,
5: oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, I, I I, totally understand that. I, I just also think of I, I just think back to PT, you know, which was on like a base PS4 and it was like the most realistic looking and and most frightening thing I've ever seen (laughs) so
3: (laughs) (laughs) I totally understand and I hear you loud and clear but yeah I'm looking I'm really looking forward to this what about you Dustin are you a, a fan
4: yeah I was blown away by Resident Evil 7 and I think like what Chris said I was unsure about the first person perspective but I actually think I prefer it now playing not that I didn't like the the remakes but um I'm excited to see them return to that style
3: well, we'll see what happens. This is a, a game promised for 2021 again on PlayStation 5. We'll keep a close eye out, of course. The next game up on the list is a game from a similar genre. It's Ghostwire Tokyo. AJ Murray wrote in and said, hey, C&C, 2021 is shaping up to be a fairly decent year. I, w- I would just call it better than that uh, with really cool titles on the way. But one I'm particularly excited for is Ghostwire Tokyo. The Evil Within 2 is one of my all time favorite games and sadly a hidden gem as it's pretty much got buried in the 2017 fall season. If Ghostwire is even half as good as The Evil Within 2, then it'll be a winner. And Adam Thum, I think it's three weeks in a row for him. uh, Hail the great and wise CLS emperors, even though Microsoft has uh, bought them and I'm still overly excited for Ghostwire Tokyo. I'm still overly excited, he says. The game had my interest right away because of how it looks. Creepy Japanese mythology mixed with some first-person action. The game is high up on my most anticipated games. And I, for one, can't wait to see how well it turns out. This is one of the only new IP coming out that I'm 100% ready for. Hail and may the 2021 expansion conquest be a good one for the great CLS empire. It will be that I promise. All right. Ghostwire Tokyo, another PlayStation 5 exclusive console exclusive, not a PS4 game. Also coming to PC. Yeah. Uh, As as mentioned, this is kind of one of those interesting games along with um, Deathloop where it is caught in the ether because Bethesda Softworks as a publisher with ZeniMax is now basically purchased by. Microsoft, but these deals were made beforehand. So what's basically going to happen is that a Microsoft owned, two Microsoft owned teams are going to make games only for PlayStation 5 released in the next year. So just kind of an interesting, weird quirk that I'm sure we'll remember in future years. But I like Tango a lot uh, just based on the pedigree of the studio. This is, of course, a studio founded by Shinji Mikami. I feel like there's a lot of potential here, but I'm also a little nervous about it. And I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about it because... The game shed its director, and I know that people were saying that, you know, uh, what was that woman's name? Does anyone remember Uh, Akumi Nakamura? Oh, yeah, 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 that sounds right. Apparently she got pregnant or something, and, and you know, that's understandable, and that's unfortunately disrupts many women's careers, but I feel like there's more to this story. I don't know. So what? You're pregnant. I mean, uh, Shinji Mikami gave you a game to direct. You know, it just th- there's something. And by the way, um, Nakamura was like Mikami's protege. Yeah. So so something is weird about this game. I'd like to know more about it, but I I don't I, I couldn't find much more about it. I don't think they've said much more about it. But uh, Dustin, are you excited about Ghostwire? Yeah, the
4: the gameplay trailer is a little interesting just because I think the combat looks kind of weird with it's like it almost looks like Skyrim magic powers. yeah. I, uh, I mean, it's a game that takes place in modern Tokyo that has a very interesting, unique aesthetic. So, I'm, I know myself, and I'm going
5: to check this game out, no matter what. Probably.
3: Uh, what about you, Chris? Yeah, no,
5: I'm definitely going to check it out. I, I, I think I was excited about it when it was first announced, and I think the gameplay trailer kind of threw me for a loop because the gameplay was not what I was expecting from the tr- the first trailer that we got. It looks a little bit less horror focused and a little bit more action focused which which is fine it's actually like more uh in line with the the stuff that I I play but I just remember being like kind of like thrown off by that sudden shift in direction or at least seemingly sudden shift in direction I guess we don't know what it was originally supposed to be or what it or what it has been the whole time but it's definitely something that I'm really curious about uh, I really did like that that uh, previous director whenever she would go up on on stage or like on, on Twitch,
3: she she tweets hilarious shit uh, also. Yeah, she's she's super cool. I I, I wonder what happened. Yeah, you know? like I don't I just don't feel like, oh, I got pregnant and I got to leave. It's like, really? Like, OK, I understand you want to be with your child. It just seems, first of all, very un-Japanese and just from the cult from a, a corporate culture perspective, it doesn't seem like something that goes on there. And people don't move around companies there very often. I just think there's more to this. But maybe not. The next one, I'm surprised this wasn't on Chris's list. It's Oddworld Soulstorm. Mm -hmm. Not Lady Maria wrote in and said, hey, y'all, Oddworld, Oddworld, Oddworld. The original Oddworld Abe's Exodus is one of the best PS1 games and my favorite game ever. So I am ever so excited about Oddworld Soulstorm, a ground up remake seeking to fulfill Lauren Lanning's original vision for the second iteration of Abe's quest. The game was delayed from 2020 to 2021. So we stand waiting. I know that Chris also likes the franchise, so I hope to hear what he has to say about it. Thank you for the attention. Have at you. All right. So Chris, uh, as not lady Maria said, we want to hear from you about Oddworld. I will make a slight correction because, uh, she says that the game was delayed from 2020 to 2021, but I'll remind people that this game was supposed to come out in 2017. So yeah, this game has been floating around for some time. I'm a little confused about what the hell happened, but anyway, talk to me about
5: that. Yeah, no, I, I think honestly, like until I, until this game came up in this, in this reader kind of, uh, submission thing I had totally forgotten that it was coming out this year because I had been looking forward it, f- to it for so many years already I probably would have placed it, it with Far Cry had I had I remembered this but you know yeah no Oddworld is something really special it's got like a really interesting tone Lauren Lanning is just such a an interesting person and the the stuff that he makes and the stuff that he writes is so like brimming with his own kind of personality and it, I, I, I he voices like Abe or at least I'm pretty sure he I'm pretty sure he still is, but I might be wrong, but, you know, it's it's very much a Lorne Lanning game. And he's one of the few people in, in the industry that I think is kind of that singularly important to a, to a game. Like, I think you could put, like, Kojima in that category as well. And it's kind of a shame that Oddworld, as a series, kind of floundered for a long time, because it really is just so unique and cool. It's a game that has... Really no combat if you, if you don't want it. And the fact that you could just... The fact that a game like that can be funded and, and, and put out is just really cool. And I'm glad it's still alive. I'm glad Lorne Landing is still making stuff. I'm really excited to see how this turns out. It looks gorgeous. And it looks exactly like what Oddworld should be. Side-scroller kind of, you know, magic and, and corporate intrigue and, and dark visuals and creepy shit it looks awesome i'm really excited
3: i'm so confused by Oddworld generally because i i guess i didn't realize until more re- recently that new and tasty was actually a remake of the original game i guess yeah it was a remake of uh abe's odyssey yeah and then this is a remake of abe's exodus i guess at, which is what lady maria not lady maria was saying i just am so confused about the canon nature of this because it seems like there actually has not been a new Oddworld game in 15 years in terms of like something that's not a remake or a reimagining of something that's already been that's already existed so I guess I just didn't realize that I actually know Lauren Lanning personally as as we've discussed in the past I I consider him a friend he's awesome I've never really sat down and asked him candidly like how did you survive in this industry for so long having made frankly so few games uh, pretty much under the radar but they made it happen. I, I just don't know. Sony got involved with them a little bit, too, when they were called Just Add Water. Remember that? Yeah. And, uh, or Oddworld Inhabitants was was Just Add Water, and then they became I Oddworld. Don't, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Dustin, are you, uh, are you interested in this at all?
4: You know, I, I am a little bit because I remember playing the original Oddworld on PlayStation One, but I feel like when we've seen this game, it's kind of looked like it's in a little bit of a rough spot obviously that's pre-release stuff but I'm curious since it's been in development so long if there's been been issues but obviously we'll we'll hold judgment until the final release
3: Eliezer Morales wrote a note about Gotham Knights gentlemen he says hello CNC I'm excited for WB Montreal's Gotham Knights it's been five years since Batman Arkham Knight and seven years since WB spin-off Arkham Origin the game is not a sequel but it's its own game Batman has died and his bat family has come forward and taken over I love the Batman universe and can't wait for this game Joshua Peerstorf wrote in and said, I can't help but be incredibly excited to hear more about Gotham Knights. I'm a huge Batman fan and can't wait to experience this game both solo and with a friend. And Timothy Bryant wrote in and said, hey, ladies, man, Colin and Demon Killer Chris, my most anticipated game of 2021 is without a doubt Gotham Knights. I'm a huge Batman fan. First and foremost, Batman Arkham City is my favorite game of all time. And yes, you did read that correctly. All right. Well, I don't think that's a terrible answer. I trust WB Montreal with the property as I love Batman Arkham Origins. Most of all, I'm excited to tackle enemy interactions with two different people and having each prior and a handle a different part of the mission, which I believe is pretty, pretty cool. I actually think that's pretty cool as well. This is a game that got bumped off my list as well. Um, Believe it or not, this game's coming from WB Games Montreal. As we know, WBI is publishing it. It'll be on both PS4 and PS5. It doesn't have a release date yet, but we know it's coming in 2021. Dustin, Gotham Knights, yes or no?
4: Yeah, this is one I'm also cautiously optimistic about. I, I love the other Batman Arkham games, and so what we've seen of this looks cool. I'm curious. I know there was some weirdness about the leveling system and some of the RPG
5: stuff, but uh, yeah, I have my eye on it for sure. How about you, Chris? Yeah, I I wish I had a a better answer for why I'm just not feeling it. Uh, I, I, I something about it just like I remember watching the gameplay and and just kind of feeling a little empty, not like offended or like really put off. I just remember seeing it and thinking like, all right, that's a that's a you know that's a game, and it's not even that it looks bad. It looks pretty good, and and there's like a lot of cool things that I, I saw like as, as far as like the 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 whole mission structure that uh, the the commenter mentioned, and and I just don't. I don't know. I think I just sort of had my fill of Batman, maybe. Because there's nothing about it that looks like I shouldn't like it, but I just I'm just not feeling it. I don't know how we'll
3: see. We'll see soon enough. I'm I'm a little bit interested in WB Montreal has been kind of quiet, so they've been working on this game for a while. And this kind of the reason I think I'm excited about this game is because it takes out what might be the most dubious part of why I like Batman, which is Batman. <laughs> it's it's really it's really all about the, the universe and the villains and all of that. And so a Batmanless Batman game doesn't bother me at all. It's actually something that I'm like, oh, huh, maybe that'll be pretty good. All right. We only have a few more here. Mass Effect Legendary Edition. A couple of people wanted to write in about this. Jeshua Anderson says sub CDC. Probably no one will mention this, but Mass Effect Legendary Edition. To be honest, none of the games coming out for 2021 strike me as truly next gen or must haves with backwards compatibility, upgrades and re-releases. It feels like old games are what will define next year. Since I never finished Mass Effect or its sequels and don't want to pull out my PS3, Mass Effect's re-release is my only big hype game for 2021. And Connor wrote in and said, greetings, gentlemen. Without a doubt, the release I'm most excited for is the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. I first played the series back in early 2018 and absolutely fell in love with the storytelling and characters. When I went back to play the games at the start of the lockdown, my PS3 kicked the bucket. I plan on holding off from purchasing a PS5 for a few years, so this 90 plus hour experience will keep me very busy for a long time. 90 plus hours. I think it's going to be longer than that. Colin, I know you recently played Mass Effect 1 for Knockback on your PS3. Will you continue on PS3 to carry over your progress? So yeah, I actually, I'm a huge Mass Effect fan. And uh, you're right. So for Knockback, my retro and nostalgia podcast, the audience voted for us to do the original Mass Effect, and I hadn't played it uh, since around when it came out, so uh i went and played it all the way through on ps3 in may i think and i really liked it i think i am going to stay on ps3 but this is this has to do more with my trophy ocd i want to just get the platinums in (laughs) mass effect 2 and 3 i already have those lists started and then in the future in like the far-flung future when i'm like oh i want to play mass effect then i'll have this fresh collection to play with a fresh trophy list so that's the way i'm moving forward chris i know you're a fan Mm -hmm. are you looking forward to this collection
5: no, totally. This is actually one of the things that I, I bumped off the list because I was like, ah, it's. I don't know if I should put a collection of old games on my most anticipated list, you know? But no, I'm definitely looking forward to this. Mass Effect is, is something that I, I really love. I, I love Mass Effect 2 and 3. I know 3 has like a, you know, doobie sending. Yeah, yeah, whatever. But uh, 2 and 3 were just really, really great experiences, especially 2. 2 is just so god damn good it's actually funny i was playing mass effect 2 at the beginning of this quarantine as a way to kind of like distract myself from uh from all this crazy shit like when this was like really new and really fresh and i forgot that there's an entire uh an entire side story or an entire part of the campaign where you have to cure a pandemic uh in a quarantine zone how convenient and i was like oh (laughs) that's that's a good choice i made here but I'm definitely looking forward to playing these at like a at a at a reasonable frame rate and and in like one complete package and with maybe some updated visuals. I don't know how they're going to handle texture work in this thing. It's presumably an insane amount of textures, so I don't think it's going to be like a, a crazy remaster uh, to the likes of like I don't know, um, like Shadow of the Colossus or anything. But I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be good, I think. I mean, I, it has no reason not to be good. It's the, the same old good
3: games that we've already played. Uh, Mass Effect one needs some work. Uh, I yeah. can speak from recent recent experience, but I still really loved it when I played it. And yeah, I'll be interested to see what they do with it as well, because I think a lot of people were kind of hoping before this was announced that they were going to just one day remake Mass Effect, which I actually think could use a full ground up remake. But that's not what this is going to be. So, uh, Dustin, are you a Mass Effect fan? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm Yeah. here's the thing. I'm beyond excited to, to
4: play these. It's just, I've got this feeling in my balls, as you would say, Colin, and that I'm worried that the timing is not going to work out to just replay all three of these games. But I'm I'm really going to try because I think, uh, as, as you were saying, the, the first game, last time I tried to go back to it, just had so many things that bothered me that I felt like, man, they could easily
3: revise this. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hop back into that world. All right. The next one we have up is the Neo Collection, which comes out pretty soon. Mitchell Sims wrote in and said, hey, fellas, the games I'm actually looking forward to most next year is one I've already poured hours into. Neo one and two are being released in February at 4K 120 frames and being killed uh, time and time again in so many frames that this high fidelity, frankly, makes me excited. Thanks for the show. Love your work. So the Neo Collection comes to PS5 exclusively February 5th, 2021. Oh, uh, 120 frames at 4K, Chris, how does that strike you. Yeah, it's wonderful.
5: I'm I'm uh never going to play this because I don't like to be uh, abused by my right. the, by the software that I purchase, but of course. 120 frames is is the fact that we're getting this, the fact that we're getting these frame rates at that resolution so early is is such a good sign for this uh It's a great sign. Yeah, it's awesome for this generation and um Man, that's that's just I don't know if you've I don't know if you've properly seen 120 frames in action on like a a proper 120 hertz display, but uh, that shit is goddamn
3: gorgeous. Yeah, I don't think I ever have. I I need Dustin to tell me what I'm even looking at half the time when he's at my house. So I can help you. But uh, it's important to note about this is that if you already
4: own Neo, which was a PS Plus game or Neo 2, you will get free PS5 upgrades. So I just bought Neo 2 for like 10 bucks the other day in preparation
3: for when that comes out. That's a big time move by Koei Tecmo. Big time. Yeah. Very, very nice indeed. I guess Sony can get away with that, too, because I actually think Sony did publish the game outside of Japan. So nice selection. The final one we have, I didn't even think of, but this is a good one. Cuphead, the delicious last course. Anthony J Sanchez wrote it and said, hey, see and see the game I'm most looking forward to is Cuphead, the delicious last course. I find myself continuously going back to that game and I want more. I recently S ranked the devil and I am ready for more. I can't even fucking get to the devil. I love the art style and the gameplay is superb. It recently got pushed to 2021 and let's hope it actually comes out. Thank you as always. So this delicious last course DLC. I don't know if you guys remember this game. This has been delayed multiple times. This was actually announced at E3 in 2018. Um, And then they announced that it was coming out in 2019. Then in the middle of 2019, they announced it was coming out in 2020. And then it was only a few weeks ago that they said it was coming out in 2021. I don't know what the hell is going on with this thing. But knowing those guys, I assume that they're just trying to get it exactly right. They also all work remotely. They did before the pandemic. So I don't know that that is a really a a worthy thing to blame because they're used to that workflow. So I don't really know what's going on with why it's taking so long. But by the time it comes out, it would have been announced almost three years ago, which is pretty crazy. It's a deal. It's a piece of DLC. It's not even... A full game so it kind of feels like a waste like why didn't you just make a fucking the full cuphead but is anyone excited about this i'm personally i've had my fill of cuphead uh, it's beautiful but it's just like you said uh chris i don't want to be abused anymore yeah yeah i'm in the same boat i think
5: uh cuphead's a, a gorgeous a gorgeous work of art i think it's it's uh the fact that they animated in the way that they did and, and the fact that it's so faithful to that animation style and, and it really captures it is, is really impressive and i really liked what i what i played of it And uh, I think I've had had my fill, yeah. I I think I would have been more excited for
3: Cuphead 2. You know what I mean? Me too. Dustin, you have some Cuphead skill.
4: Yeah, so I am still thinking that when this game gets properly re-revealed with a release date that they will make it Cuphead 2. Or at least maybe have it be a standalone release that is equal in length or around the length of Cuphead 1, but... Yeah, I'm excited for this one. Cuphead is a game that I continually return to. And I've I've played the first one like basically two and a half, three times at this point. So I am
3: very much looking forward to it. All right. That's all we have, boys. That's uh, 2021 in a little bit of a nutshell. No, this is me in a nutshell. Help, I'm in a nutshell. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> what I'm is done. that? That's from Austin Powers. Uh, or, I think <laughs> so. From the first specific. One. I forgot about that. So uh All right. Uh, Happy New Year. Merry post Christmas to everyone. Hope 2021 treats everyone very well. We'll be here, of course, each and every week. Actually, by the time many of you hear this, um, let me think here. Well, new things are on the horizon. Let's just say that. Yeah. So we're very excited about that. But uh, be well, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. Dustin, thank you for joining us today. Hey, I was excited. It was good for me to review and look ahead
4: because it's going to be a pretty good year for games, I
3: think. I think you're right. I think these are actually really useful exercises as hosts. Nonetheless, good content. And Chris, of course, thank you as always for your kindness. No, of course. If there's nothing I if there's nothing I can contribute, it's all, it's just kindness. It's all I have. That's all. <laughs> that's what I always think. I'm like, that, Chris is so kind <laughs> and uh, appreciate that about him. All right. Thank you all out there for your love of our show, your support of our show, whether on Patreon or free feeds. We'll see you next time for more sacred symbols. Until then, goodbye. Take care, guys. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is a product of and a registered trademark of Colin's Last Stand LLC and is recorded from Richmond, Virginia and Burbank, California, USA. The show is conceived by, is written by, and is produced by me, Colin Moriarty. My co host is Chris Raygun. You can find me on Twitter at No Taxation and on Instagram at CLS Moriarty. Chris is on Twitter at Chris and on Instagram at Chris Gun. Sacred Symbols is edited by Dustin Furman. To message the show online, please use Patreon's DM service. As you know, all of Colin's Last Stand shows, including Sacred Symbols, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash The following names are at the producer level or higher on Patreon, and we are eternally grateful for your kindness, generosity, and fandom. Nick DeMarco, Andrew Morgan, Gregory Slavinsky, Stephen Nieder, Ross Marenka, Zach Parsley, Miguel A. Brewer, Morgan Ashley, Ben, Azan, Michael Vecchio, Joey Finelli, Jerome Ferreira, SL of the FMA, Ryan T. Mandel, Jorge Palomino, Enrique Perez, Don Lee, Daniel Diamore, Brad Cooley, Jeremy Key, Patrick Leslie, Homeworld Hub, Dennis Barker, William Holbert, Chris Buston, Betty Ann Moriarty, Colin Jewell, Daniel Johnson, Zach Bonham, an unofficial controller podcast, Jay Getter, Vexius, Jeff Mercado, Galja, Of Fortuna, Boots, Megadet, Saul Balcazar, Raul Melendez, Jackson Vernon, Eric Harden Matt Martin Rodney Coleman Chris Moore Antti Kidnan, Taylor Barkley Chris Galvin Ryan Murdoch Mason Cadillac Ollie Fritz Chris Buston Zach Alum, George Anthony Nunez Kyle Hagel Colin Love Daryl E. Naman, Ryan R. Kittredge Toby Ryland Michael S. Damon Weathers Richter 86 Barrett Boswell Christopher Devayo, Kevin Kamaki Blake Israel Sean Mason Josh Gravelik Brian Chan Organic Produce Isaac Wasman, Mubarak Carlos Algret McDog 18 Richard Hebert III Miranda Grubba Ray Leja, David Kastanez Donnie Nolan Josh Yeager Matthew Cooper Loper, Toothless Gibbon, Martin Beck, Gavin, Joey Andrzejczyk, Nathan R., Joe McPartland, Christopher Moore, Lawrence F. Prokop, Colin Davenport, Eric Finkenbeiner, Lou and Ray Loper, Dylan Burns, John Schultz, David Chestnut, Yusuf, Anton K., Alan Tremblay, Tyler Bellow, Tony Zaniga, Sean Battershall, Max Lazos, Robbie Hensley, Alex Cabrera, Lennon Brixey, Corey Wyatt, James Kinslow III, Hugo's Desk, Peter Reynolds, William O'Carroll, JCS0828, Jesper Jansen, Phil Krohn, Throw7, Adam Nix, Josh McKinney, Michael Gates, Alex Gates, Sean Chandler, Petro Rose, Gio Cor- Greg Lada, Gerald Pennington, Justin Wagaman, Paul Joyce, Chad Lewis, Todd Paxson, Joshua Smallwood, Shane Ryum, Spencer Brand, John Cordero, Greg Julefs, Keith A. Lewis, Marius Garson Peterson, Tyler Harris, Matthew Perdue, Toby Shootman, Patrick Harper, MadMock Media, Jonathan Rice, and Casual Misfits Gaming. Ugh, let me go get the squeaky toy from you. Just give me a sec. <laughs> oh my God. This
5: is always the best part.
4: <laughs> that
5: happened last time, too.
3: Yeah, yeah. You just hear glass breaking and gunshots? Right. And the, uh, all right, sorry. Were you guys are you guys making fun of me or something and gonna put it in the show? All right, that's good. Nah, nah, don't worry about it. All right.
1: You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled
2: professionals to get all your job's projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well,